This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Here's a question for you. How's your wallet looking a few weeks into January? Did you know the average American spent over $1,000 over the holiday season? You probably find that relatable. So how do you dig out of that holiday financial hole? Aaron Broverman has some suggestions. Aaron is the lead editor at Forbes Advisor Canada. Hey, good morning, Aaron. Nice to chat with you today. Good morning, Dave. Happy to help people dig out of their uh, holiday financial conundrums. It's 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 a tough one. Aaron, let, let's actually start here by playing armchair therapist. Why do you think people find themselves in these holiday financial hangovers? Why? I think because, you know, people love their friends. They love their loved ones. They want to do things for them on Christmas, but also... We are being constantly bombarded and assaulted with consumerism everywhere we turn, from social media to, uh, you know, TV to newspapers. And, like, I mean, so there's a lot of pressure to, like, perform at Christmas, get people something at Christmas, you know. Everyone in society is telling you, you know, this is what you have to do. You have to buy stuff for your people on, on Christmas. So it's really, really hard to, like, avoid it. Like, you know, you you it's a social pressure sort of thing. You don't want to be the Scrooge or the Grinch who just, does, <laughs> who just has to go to your family and go, I can't I can't get you anything this year. You know, people be like, that's OK. But like behind the scenes, you don't know what they're you know, really saying about you. So it, so there's a lot of, like, social pressure and, and media pressure for this, too. Anthropologists would tell you that civilizations are based on reciprocity, and reciprocity just murders your wallet around the holidays. Aaron, I actually took a little bit of a stand this year, and I handled this with so little grace, kind of uh, the story of my life, handling things with very little grace. A few different people gave me holiday gifts, and I was like oh, you really didn't need to give me a holiday gift. And I felt the pressure to give one back. And I put my foot down and I said, no, I will not be giving you a holiday gift in return. I will thank you profusely with, with grace. And, but I will not be doing any kind of reciprocity. And in a lot of cases, the gifts that I was given were a food or snacks or treats. And they went right out to the control room. I shared them with people to sort of have them share in my guilt. Well, there you go. Like you were able to stand strong. Good on you, Dave. For, uh, <laughs> well, I'm or... not bowing to the pressure. <laughs> yeah, good on me for being a jerk. That's that. That's uh, that's that's the way it is. So, Aaron, <laughs> once someone is brave enough to gander at the credit card statement, and sometimes that does take a little bit of courage. What's the next step in terms of getting things back on track? Well, Dave, you already mentioned it. The first step is actually looking at your credit card statement. And taking that big picture view and seeing what you actually spent on the holidays. I know it could be hard, but some of your debt is existing debt from other places. But you have to get a handle on like how much you actually owe before you can start tackling your debt. And then once you do, you can do the 
50-30-20 rule, which is basically 50% of your budget goes to basic needs like food, insurance, shelter, those things that you actually need. And then 30% of your budget goes to uh, discretionary things such as, you know, your coffee in the morning, things that you just buy to keep you happy. And then 20% would go to savings because you need savings for the future and things like that. Now, the goal, if you're in debt like this, is to figure out what from that 30% pile can start going into paying off your debt or going into the 20% pile for debt and savings and that, and that sort of thing. Mm. So you have to take a hard look of like, what can I actually eliminate? And there's several ways that you can actually start paying things off. You can do a balance transfer from uh, maybe a high interest credit card to a low interest line of credit. That's probably like the cheat code way to do it. Or you can actually buckle down and start with the highest interest uh, thing you owe first. So if you have a high interest credit card, that's what you should start tackling so that you don't have to pay more and more on top of what you already paid because of interest. I feel like I'm talking to a Dave Ramsey over here, a financial uh, broadcaster, talking about snow, snowball effects and trying to tackle these high-interest loans. Uh, Aaron, I think what you're identifying is something that a lot of people are feeling, like the real thing that people are feeling, which is, oh gosh, I cannot wipe the, the slate clean on my credit card. I, but you have to, if you can, do more than just those minimum payments, because that's when things can really start getting away from you. Absolutely. Do more than the minimum payments. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, that extra money comes from eliminating uh, the, that discretionary spending. But also, don't punish yourself. Don't go all cold turkey on it. Leave a little bit of room to still have a life. You don't have to, you know, be paying for your Christmas expenses for the rest of the year. You just have to be a little bit more judicious about it. And uh, maybe, like, put away the credit card for a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. just start, you know, focusing on uh, paying things off. Yeah, cash. <laughs> cash is king. Go go do the Dave Brown approach and just uh, walk around with a wad of cash and do it that way. Uh, Aaron, how much of this is also about consistent check-ins that someone should do with their finances beyond just these moments of crunch in January? I, I, I know for myself, Aaron, January and February, like that's when you get bombarded on television with the RRSP and mutual fund commercials. But I do use these first two months of the year to take a snapshot of where I'm at. I would say that the, you know, the Christmas hangover could serve as a wake up call. But once you start uh, building habits to paying off your debt and once you have paid off your debt, keep that consistent and do these sorts of check ins, because a lot of people are like, you know, if I don't look, it's not really happening. But really, you have to look or else you're going to get in bigger trouble down the road. How about uh, looking forward? I know it already seems kind of a dread to think about uh, Christmas and Hanukkah of 2024, but how much How much should people really be already thinking about uh, a holiday budget strategy uh, 11 months down the road? 
mean, I don't think I would think of a holiday budget strategy this soon into the year, but there are always other things you need to budget for, like a birthday or an anniversary that's coming up. So maybe don't call it a holiday budget because looking too far forward can seem uh, overwhelming and you're probably inevitably going to put it off. But <laughs> the next thing that you have to pay for, maybe uh, take some of those budget strategies you've learned, like the 50 30 20 rule and apply them to that you know birthday gift that you're going to buy someone or or the next purchase that that you're going to make Aaron, so appreciate your insight on this topic. I know a lot of people are feeling the pinch. People are feeling the pinch in general, but there's something about January where it really resonates. Thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Talk to you in a few weeks. Yeah, thanks Dave. This has been uh, really fun. That's Aaron Broverman. He's the lead editor at Forbes Advisor Canada. In 1 minute Laura Bain has the entertainment report, but first, Honda is showing off their latest electric vehicles at CES. Mike Dubusky plugs in another edition of Tech Trends. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to CES. And welcome to Honda. Honda used the CES Tech Show in Las Vegas this week to show off two new electric concept vehicles. The Saloon, which is a gullwing-doored sedan, and the Space Hub, a passenger van. Mark Vaughn is the West Coast editor for AutoWeek.com. He says both signal Honda's EV design language. We expect everything to look like a crossover utility vehicle now. And these things are like these dapple, sleek spaceships from the future. Last year, a partnership with General Motors to develop low-cost EVs fell apart, which means these new vehicles are our first glimpse of Honda's standalone EV ambitions. Honda might be a little bit behind on uh, EV car development. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Lots of news coming out of CES. Marco Flalo will stop by in about uh, 20 minutes to show off a couple of gadgets that caught his attention. And I want to put this on your radar. I'm keeping a close eye on a lot of the uh, unveilings and tech and products that are getting some buzz at CES. And a couple of times next week, you'll find me playing a game with different columnists and contributors called Useful or Useless. And we'll uh, run through a couple of uh, the tech unveiled at CES. Let's bring in Laura Bain to talk about entertainment. Laura, some hip-hop royalty is uh, planning on a Canadian tour. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ice Cube is coming to Canada for his Straight Into Canada tour. Uh, now, this jumped out at me because he's not making the usual Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal kind of circuit stops when um, when he comes, like most artists do. So sorry, Dave, if you want to see Ice Cube, you're going to have to travel. Um, he is kicking off his tour in Abbotsford, BC on February 20th before going to Penticton, BC. Uh, so I'm kind of curious out of these uh, different kind of stops, Dave, which one might appeal most to you if you're going to travel? So uh, as I mentioned, there's Abbotsford and Penticton in BC, and then he moves on to Alberta, where he does stop in Calgary and Edmonton, so kind of visiting some expected cities there. But then he visits Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Now, Rama is the only stop in Ontario. So Rama, Ontario at Casino Rama mm -hmm. Resort. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar? Is that a big 
venue there in uh, Ontario? Casino Rama tends to bring in quite a few uh, nostalgia acts, like maybe not the uh, 10, 15,000 people uh, stadium show, but a lot of these great nostalgia acts. Like uh, I know a few of the casinos around Ontario bring in bands like Everclear from the 1990s. I almost went down to Fallsview Casino for one of those. So I'd say Rama's probably about five-ish thousand people or four-ish thousand people in their, uh, in their concert hall. It's allegedly, I've never been to Rama, allegedly it is a ton of fun. Apparently it's one of the best casinos in all of Ontario. Well, you can pick up uh, tickets for Ice Cube. There's still some available. I checked for around 80 bucks if you're if you're interested. Ooh, but you know where they get you? The actual cost of the hotel room that night. That's that's yeah. that's the problem. And because believe me, if I'm going to see an Ice Cube concert and whoever's with me, we're not driving home after that. There's going to be a fun head. Well, plus if you're doing any gambling, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can be expensive or lucrative depending on how it goes. Now, his stops in the Maritimes actually kind of surprised me. So, uh, St. John, New Brunswick doesn't see a lot of concerts. A lot of the big acts go to Moncton for sure. And he is coming to Nova Scotia. He's actually got two stops here, but not in Halifax. He's going to Truro before wrapping up in Sydney on March 5th. So the closest stop to me is in Truro at the Rath Eastlink Community Center, which I had never heard of before. I looked it up. It's about a 3,000 seat venue uh, there. And tickets are actually like almost sold out. Uh, so if I want to get a ticket, I'm going to have to hurry. They <laughs> range in price from about 110 to $160. Not sure why we're paying more out here than you are in Ontario, but that's how it is. So interesting. Laura, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of like picking up on a theme here. I get the impression that some of the geographical choices here are interesting to you. They're interesting to me as well. The fact that a lot of these stops are not necessarily the Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, even even like the Halifax, right? Not yeah. necessarily going to the big markets, but choosing slightly smaller markets, not undeserving places, not places where people would not enjoy going to a show and getting a concert. But but yeah. why why do you think he's doing that? I, I, I actually don't even have a good answer to my own question. Usually I do. Why do you think he's doing that? Well, I was hoping you might be able to kind of enlighten me, Dave, because I was thinking about this and I was doing some searching online about this concert and trying to find something because I'm really curious about that as well. Certainly, if he came to somewhere like Halifax, you know, he doesn't have to do the Scotiabank Centre, which is a huge venue. There's other kind of medium-sized venues. So uh, why do the why do it in Truro? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think it's really cool, uh, you know, because people in a lot of these places don't typically get to stay home and go to concerts with major performers and also just thinking about the impact on local business right as you mentioned people are going to tend to stay overnight they're going to be eating so i'd like to see i'd like to see more of this the only thing i could really think of i was like well it is called the straight into canada tour right <laughs> and he's going to saskatoon in the winter so you can't really get more canadian than that yeah, I wonder if this might be a little bit about artists trying to control their destiny. And one of the things when you go to bigger city centers, even if maybe you're not going to the Scotiabank Center, like you mentioned, or playing at the uh, whatever, whatever big name arena in whatever city it is, I, I wonder if it might have something to do with lower costs to the artist to use some of these other performing venues and maybe being able to recap and recoup a little bit more of their own money and their own proceeds, because that's become one of the big conversations here in the last couple of years where artists are saying, 
these ticket brokers, I'm not going to mention them by name, but these yeah. ticket brokers and these venues are absolutely crushing us. Really good thought on it. And also that allows the, uh, you know, performers to keep their ticket prices reasonable because 80 bucks to go see Ice Cube, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of times it's hundreds. I mean, even $110 here in Truro, I thought that's not bad because, you know, a lot of concerts cost hundreds of dollars. So uh, maybe that is some of the thinking behind it. Who knows? But I, I like it. <laughs> it does make me sad to think that now $80 is the margin for a, a cheap concert ticket. But uh, but it's the truth. It's the reality. I, I'm, I'm going to to see a death cab for cutie in the postal service in toronto later this year and i think the tickets were like 170 or 180 which was still less than i paid for blink 182 last year so hey nostalgia isn't costing me as much money this year so we'll take that as a win yeah it's all be it's all become relative i had a friend who <laughs> recently paid like i don't know six or seven hundred dollars to go see pink and i mean obviously oh. pink is, oh. is huge but i don't i don't think i would i don't know there is a point where i just kind of get priced out of it and i would just maybe especially with like the rise of concert movies that might be a, yeah. a better way in <laughs> for me i definitely preferred paying 25 dollars to see taylor swift on a movie screen uh instead of 1300 uh, yeah. to go see here at the Rogers Center. Hey, Laura, thank you as always for this. And on the way out the door, happy birthday. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> That's Laura Bain with Entertainment Report Birthday Girl, Laura Bain. Coming up after the break, I've got a news story for you from the financial world. Bitcoin exchange traded funds have now been approved in the United States. Got a story all about that one coming your way. And then Brock Richardson stops by for a sports chat. The NHL season officially at its midway point. Brock wants to discuss a couple of surprising storylines. And then I'm going to ambush Brock with some breaking football news. The face of football coaching has dramatically changed in the last 14 hours. And I want to get Brock's take on a bunch of that stuff. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.